Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later, tips on crops and silage making. A warning on traffic in the silage cutting season and also an overview of re-wetting of peatlands and a request for more information. Robert Harkin reminds listeners that the 2023 Cork Summer Show is taking place on the 17th of June and 18th of June. First, Mr. Liam Stack, Rubinant, Technical Manager, Dairy Gold Agribusiness, on achieving top quality silage. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Mr. Liam Stack, Rubinant, Technical Manager, Dairy Gold Agri Division. First of all, Liam, welcome to the programme. Now, very important, silage. The silage season is on us. A lot of farmers, of course, would be wondering if they should cut now or leave it for a bit longer. That's the silage season now on us. Hello, John. Um, thanks very much for having me on the show, and hello to all your listeners. And I suppose, John, that is indeed a $65,000 question. Um, we need to consider the potential impact of cutting now and what it might have on preservation, and the potential impact any, any delays that we may take may have on silage quality. So I suppose let's take quality first, and if we decide to delay cutting now to wait for the optimum conditions for preservation, your silage quality or the DMB for silage will decline. And every week you delay harvesting from the middle of May will result in a 3% drop in dry matter digestibility or an increase in concentrate feed requirements um, for your stock over the winter period for the same level of performance. Now, in a spring calving dairy herd, would very good quality be needed in silage? Would you need very good quality silage if you're catering for a spring calving dairy herd? Yes, John, I suppose there is that train of thought out there that, you know, Milk coming from spring calving herds predominantly comes from grass, and that, of course, is true. But only about 35% of the silage that's consumed in a spring calving herd goes to your dry cows. And, okay, they only need an average quality silage of about 65 DMD to 68 DMD. But the remaining 65% of your stock, be it growing heifers or weanlands or milking cows at the shoulder of the seasons and earlier late lactation, these animals will need good quality silage. And if they don't get um, a higher enough level of silage or high enough quality level of silage, they will need extra concentrate feeding across the winter to achieve their targets or to maintain things like milk protein in early spring. Now, of course, uh, quality is very important there, Liam, but does this good quality need to come in partnership with good preservation? Yes, John, completely. Um, and achieving a good silage preservation is like a war with grass sugars on one side and grass nitrates on the other and um, the grass sugars feed the lactic acid-producing bacteria, and they produce lactic acid, and this lactic acid drives down silage pH. And on the other side, you have nitrates, and this acts as a buffer, resisting the pH drop. So whichever is the strongest force wins out and decides how well your silage will preserve. And the better your silage preserves, the higher its intake potential will be, and the greater level of performance it will support across the winter. Now, to concentrate on this grass sugar levels, how can we affect grass sugar levels? Well, grass sugar levels will be different between grass varieties, with perennial rye grasses having a much higher sugar potential than all permanent pastures. Um, and within any given day, we should wait for the dew to evaporate off our grass, and this will increase the sugar levels, so more in the afternoon where possible. And over the course of a few days, continuously dry days with cool nights, um, will maximise the sugar levels in your grass. 
Now, conversely, Liam, how would we minimise nitrates levels, you know, keep the nitrates levels down, if at all possible, minimise them? The nitrate levels in your soil, John, is a level of the residual nitrogen within your plant, the basic nitrogen that has not been converted into true plant protein. So if your nitrate levels are high and you give your soil a few more days in the field to grow, the nitrate levels will drop. So, John, I suppose when it comes to silage preservation, we're looking at the level of sugar and nitrates in silage. If, you look at, if your sugars are high, it's a great starting point and they can overcome some residual nitrates. But, if, but, but to really get a handle on it, you need to measure your silage sugar and nitrate content. And, of course, this can be done in the laboratory in numbers down. Um, if, anyone has, if anyone has any questions on that or would like to get their silage tested, they should contact their local ASM or their branch ag release. The one additional thing I will say, John, is that you know when the results come back, and if they may be borderline for preservation, be wary of any impact that you make in the laying silage cutting to maximise your preservation potential because that can have an effect on quality. And if weather breaks, remembering our climate in the country we live in, you know, weather could break for 10, 12, 14 days and silage quality could be detrimentally hit by waiting for that delay. Now, the subject of additives. Should farmers consider an additive? And indeed, how can additives help at these times? For sure, John, an additive will help in this scenario where, where weather is borderline or where sugars and nitrates are borderline. Um, and, you know, that is definitely an, a, a situation where additives can help. But the additive we sell is an additive called EcoSoil. It contains lactic acid-producing bacteria, and this will help drive down silage pH quickly, leaving a stable pit with lower levels of ammonia and lower levels of potential moles and higher levels of true protein. But I think that when using an additive in poor weather, it's not the only time that additives should be considered. If you're considering an additive, you know, make sure that the additive you're considering is well-researched, that there's plenty of trials to validate the, the, any claims that are made. Again, the EcoSile product that we use is an additive with over 200 um, preservation trials, 40 intake and digestibility trials and 33 animal, animal performance trials. And these trials show that the product delivers an extra 1.2 litres of milk or 15% lightweight gain, gain on finishing trials and an extra 6% decrease in, in silage losses when you're looking at silage in the pit. And all these are economically important and independent of the weather at the day of cutting. So, for example, if you're a finishing farmer with 100 bullock over a 100-day period and you get an extra 15% lightweight gain, you could get an extra 3,200 euro in your pocket after pay, paying for the eco soil. So, you know, there's, there's advantages to additives. Definitely an advantage if your sugars and nitrates are borderline from a preservation standpoint, but there's also performance benefits from additives that are consistent, independent of what the weather is like on the day of cutting. So, John, if anyone has any questions on silage preservation, on sugar and nitrates, or on the EcoSide product, you know, they should contact their local area sales manager or inside sales team on 022-31644 or anyone in their local library branch. Well, that's great. Thank you very much indeed for all of that valuable information. Mr. Liam Stack, Ruminant, Technical Manager, Dairy Gold Agri-Division. Thank you very much indeed, Liam. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Next, the IFA have issued a road safety appeal for the silage season. Details from the IFA Farm Family and Social Affairs Chair, Miss Alice Doyle. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, we have Miss Alice Doyle, the IFA Farm Family and Social Affairs Chair. Alice, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important uh, piece of information people in the farming community will be aware that the silage season is now underway. You have a very important message for traffic and being generally safe and being aware that the silage cutting season is underway. Yes, John, the silage season has just begun and uh, IFA uh, are trying to give some advice to farmers and to non-farming communities alike uh, about this about safety around this particular time of the year. 
the uh, climate season has begun quite, I think, quite quickly. Uh, we've had a very wet period and now farmers are very active out there on the road and they have a short window within which to get inside edge while it's at its optimum. This season is really about three, about three weeks. So a lot of hard work has to get done in the next couple of weeks. There will be a lot more uh, farm machinery on the road and on the move. And I think it's very important both for farmer and non-farmer to be aware of the fact that there will be much more activity during this period. From a farming point of view, we will have a lot more tractors on the road, uh, silage harvesters, all now big machines and on rural roads. You know, there are 95% of, of, of this traffic will be on small rural roads. And whereas most of the year farmers, you know, are based around their farm yard and most of their activity is off road. Um, but during this particular time, they have to be on road because they're drawing silage possibly from out farms, uh, from fields away from the house, and they have to get it back to the to the farm and take it by road. So they ha- the farmer has to be very much aware of the fact, first, that he has a very big machine out on the road, that its breaking ability, you know, when you have a full load, is is much harder than when you when you don't have a big load behind you. So it's very important to take it easy on these roads to be aware going around every single bend that you could meet a pedestrian, a cyclist, a person on a horse, a motor car. Uh, you have to be aware at all times that they can be there because we have all kinds of, of, of activity on roads. So from the farmer's point of view, we would say take it easy. From that point of view, be aware that you, you will be meeting the unexpected. For the non-farmer, we're saying the same thing. Be aware of the fact that you could be meeting one of these huge machines that could be out more than, you know, than, than halfway out on the road because of their width. It's the same as a big lorry. So be aware that you will meet more of these uh, over the next three weeks on the road. So just take it a little bit easier on the road uh, when you're coming around bends and coming off side roads. And watch where tractors are coming out from, from fields. We ask the farmers to make sure that they have the roads well signposted that they have bollards on the road if they're coming out onto a main road from a field. The other thing I think we really would ask everybody to do is to be patient. You know, the tractors will be going along the road and they, they, they won't always have a space to pull in. Where there is a space to pull in, we would say to a farmer, please do pull in if there's a lineup of traffic behind you. Give the, the traffic the opportunity to pass uh, and have a little bit of patience with that. To the non-farmer, we would say to also have a little bit of patience with the farmer that they, w- they will be on the road, they will do their best to pull in when they get an opportunity. And in both cases, we would say, please give yourself that little bit extra time. You know, if you're a, a non-farmer and you're trying to get from A to B uh, and you have a time, you know, a deadline to be there by a certain time, just give yourself an extra 10 or 15 minutes at this time of the year because you could get caught behind a convoy of silage trailers. Uh, and you might be that, you know, under a bit of pressure then for time. And that's where the accidents happen. You go about passing out to try to get there to reach your deadline. And for silage contractors, knowing that they're trying to get from A to B and they could have six, you know, farmers in the rear at the one time saying, I need you by tonight because the weather is changing. Uh, be aware also that, you know, to, to, to take your time, to be uh, conscious of the fact that you need to give yourself that little bit of extra time to get from A to B because you too, uh, could find yourself in a traffic in a, in a line of traffic and you can't pass out with a, a tractor and trailer. There's some of the key points, I think, John, that we would like to get home. If I could finish with four words by saying, beware, take care, be patient and be safe. That certainly sounds a great advice. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Alice Doyle, the IFA Farm Family and Social Affairs Chair. Thank you, Alice, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John.
We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Kieran Collins, Crop Specialist, Chagas, Not Griffin, Middleton, County Cork. First of all, Kieran, welcome to the programme. Now, planting of crops was delayed this year due to broken weather, of course. Now, are all crops planted by now, or is there still some beet and maize to be planted? It's been a really, really difficult spring, and I suppose kind of followed from a difficult autumn because. You know, the level of winter cropping would have been well back because, you know, the weather of broken weather in October. So what that meant was that there was a bigger workload or more crops to be planted in the spring this year. And unlike the previous two years where March was really good, uh, it was very wet in March this year. So the whole planting got pushed out into, into April, really. So it has been a long struggle. Um, most of the cereals or all the cereals I suppose practically this stage John are, are, are in the ground however as you said there there's still some beet and maize going in at the moment I would hope that we'd be at the tail end of it you know um, but it is it is getting late for, for those crops as well you know and you know I suppose we'd prefer to have them in earlier in terms of you know better yield potential and that but I suppose that's the hand we've been dealt this spring really you know now, Kieran, is the area similar to last year, would you say? It's a difficult one to know. I think um, the signals are that the tillage area is back on last year. Um, so obviously we lost a good bit of the winter cropping due to the, the difficult weather last October, as I said. But, you know, it doesn't seem to have picked up um, in the spring in terms of there certainly is, a, a, I would think, a slightly reduced area this year. And I suppose, look, there are a few reasons for that. I think one of the key ones is that, like, a lot of tillage land is rented. And I suppose tillage farmers did find that they were coming under pressure to hold on to some of that land. And, you know, I suppose one of the main reasons there, there were changes in nitrates and stuff like that, which, you know, put put constraints on, on livestock farmers, particularly dairy, I suppose, really. And, and that probably has had a little bit of a knock-on effect to the tillage area, which I suppose... Unfortunately, goes against, I suppose, you know, if you look at maybe the likes of the government's climate action plan or some of the targets that, that, that would be within the Department of Agriculture is actually to increase the area. But I think, you know, for this area, we, we'd struggle enough now to, to maintain last year's area with think China. Now, you mentioned, Kieran, there's a lot of late-sown spring barley. Are there any implications in relation to pests and diseases as a result of this uh, late-sowing of spring barley? Yeah, I suppose, firstly, you know, late-sown doesn't necessarily mean lower-yielding. However, it is a shorter-growing uh, season, you know, so I suppose a lot of the yield potential maybe depends on, on the weather that we get maybe, you know, from now on to harvest, but it is a shorter growing season. Uh, in terms of pests and diseases, John, I suppose there, there, there are positives and negatives. I suppose in terms of disease, later sown crops would generally have lower disease risk than, than earlier sown. And, and we did see some earlier sown, if you remember there in February, was particularly dry and some farmers on, on drier ground did manage to get some spring barley sown there in early March. You know, and those crops, you know, there was quite a disease challenge in some of those. So if we compare that now to, you know, some of this April sown barley, you know, the disease risk would be would be a bit lower there. So that's that's a positive actually in terms of 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 later planting or delayed planting. However, I suppose from a pest perspective, 
the earlier sown crops would have a low risk of barley allowed dwarf virus, whereas late sown would have a higher risk. So anybody that's sown barley, you know, that's 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 emerging now or emerged say in the last two two weeks or so, you know, there certainly would be a higher risk of barley barley dwarf virus there because aphids were the vector. You know, they're more active now because of the rise in temperatures and, and that. So I suppose, look, there, there's positives and negatives to the late sowing, I suppose, really, John, you know. So certainly a balanced situation there. Now, what are grain prices at the moment? That's possibly a tricky one, bearing in mind all the different implications from the Ukrainian situation, etc., etc. But what are grain prices at the moment? Yeah, I suppose you know this, the market is, is 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 quite flat. If you were if you were selling grain at the moment, you know you you you'd find it difficult enough. It's a, it's a falling market. Um, now, look, I suppose the, the context is that we did have exceptionally high grain prices last harvest. So, you know, I suppose it was inevitable in some ways that 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 the thing was going to drop a bit. Like, but currently. We're, we're over 100 euros a ton, probably closer to 115 euros a ton, lower than the equivalent green price last harvest, you know. So I suppose that is a bit of a, a, a negative that's, that, that is there at the moment. Obviously, we're hoping between now and, you know, next August, September, that, that things will improve, but certainly well back on where it was last harvest, John, you know. At these grain prices, how will crops stack up financially this year at these grain prices we've been mentioning there? Yeah, and like going back to last year again, you know, we had very positive margins last year because of the high grain price. And obviously we had, thankfully, very good yields as well. Um, If you look at current grain prices, which work into the equivalent, if you were making a green price out of it, maybe in the 195 bracket there for, for barley, it's very, very close to the cost of production there. Um, and obviously that, that's hugely dependent on the yields you get. So if you get sort of average yields this year at current prices, it would be very, very close to the cost of production. But look, as I say, you would be hoping that there would be an upturn in the market between now and, and, and next harvest, you know. Is the straw chopping scheme available again this year? And do you think there'll be a good uptake from tillage farmers? Yeah, it is available, and I suppose it is a real big positive, and has been a big positive, positive from a tillage perspective. You know, the straw chopping scheme for people that mightn't be familiar is, you know, you you get a payment of two hundred and fifty euros a hectare to chop straw and incorporate it back into the soil to, you know, help soil structure and build organic matter and and recycle nutrients. So it's been a very it's been a big positive from the tillage side, where you know I suppose it does help, as I say, to to improve soil structure and that. And also, I suppose it is a level of financial income from straw that may have not been there previously. So I suppose it has been a big success. To answer your question, John, yes, it is there this year. And I think there's good interest from farmers there as well. And I would expect that, you know, there will be good uptake overall in it, you know. And just to conclude, in case there might be something of interest out there which our listeners would like to attend, any upcoming events, farm walks or meetings or anything at all that you feel tillage farmers, our listeners, would be interested um, in? We, we, we just finished, actually, a series of, of spring crop walks this week. Actually, our, our last one was in, was in Bandon there on, um, on Wednesday night. So we're, we're finished that round of discussion, I suppose. Look, the, the normal events would still be continuing in terms of, of discussion groups and and other activities there, and there certainly will be uh, more events maybe there in in, in June as well, uh, John. 
That's perfect. Thank you very much indeed for your valuable time, Mr. Kieran Collins, Crops Specialist, Chagas, now Griffin, Middleton, County Cork. Thank you, Kieran, very much indeed. Thanks a million. You're welcome, John. Thank you. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Ms. Katrina Morrissey, News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, the 20th of May edition of the paper. First of all, Katrina, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal is covered by a number of articles, this whole controversy over re-wetting, particularly of peat soils. Now, farmers, they're very worried about this, but they don't exactly know what they should be worried about. They they hear a lot of um, stuff, but uh, they don't get precise details of how it affects their enterprise. So you might try and enlighten us on, number one, what the main concerns of farmers would be. Yeah, of course, John. There have been a number of meetings in the last week uh, that have brought up this issue of re-wetting. We had uh, an ICMSA delegation in the Dáil. We had the IFA holding an information meeting in Tullamore last Wednesday night. And then it was also raised at a Sinn Féin meeting in the West. And the dominant theme of those meetings was that farmers do not know enough about what re-wetting is and how it will affect their farms. Um, And I suppose the background to this is that the the Green Deal and the Farm to Fork European decisions, which were made a number of years ago now at this stage, included a plan to re-wet peatlands. And there are two types of peatland, I just broadly, for people to um, be aware of. There is the peatland where traditionally turf would be cut from. um, But there's also drained peatlands, which are actually farmed. Um, And there's a large amount of that in Ireland. There's 330,000 hectares in Ireland. Um, So a re-wetting plan from Europe is potentially going to affect some or all of that land. And I suppose what got farmers worried is that we don't have a precise definition yet of what re-wet land is. You know, does it mean a small raising of the water table? Does it mean that the land is soaked? Um, and really, no matter what level it is, it will have some impact on the amount of farming that can happen on that land. Um, and then the other issue I suppose that farmers are worried about is um, that this law is expected to come into, infect, come into effect from 2024, which is only seven months away. Um, and yet we still don't have basic information such as, you know, what is the definition of rewetting, what are the targets? And of course, we believe that re-wetting doesn't mean the land must be covered by water. If the water table is sufficiently high, that might satisfy the EU demands for re-wetting. You make a, a very solid point, John, in that it may not mean that water, that land is actually underwater, and it may mean you know nothing like that. But I suppose if you raise the water table on any land by any extent it will have some effect on the farm. So, for example, will it shorten the grazing season? You know, yes, obviously animals might still be able to be kept on it, but will it shorten the grazing season? Will it affect whether someone can get early silage from their land? Uh, Will it affect how early they have to house their cattle in the autumn? Um, So absolutely, we're we're not talking about land being underwater when we say re-wetting, but the extent of the water increase in the in the land still hasn't been defined. And I think that's what's, what's most worrying. People in areas where it's hard enough to eke out a living at the moment that could find life is virtually impossible. 
That's right. And and as I say, the lack of information is the key problem. Now, at the back of this, there is, um, I suppose, some soothing sounds coming from the government, but yet to really say it out in a very openly blatant public way that state lands, you know, which is, you know, like the Bordemona bog, that rewetting of that will go a long way towards meeting Ireland's targets for rewetting. But again, we just don't know how much of that is going to do it. And then, of course, that means how much that, uh, farmland then will be affected as a result. So um, you'll have farmers bounding state land, and that's what the ICMSA uh, meeting was about in the Dáil. That was about farmers who were bounding Bordnemona land that's being rewet. And they want to be indemnified because they're saying, you know, that something is happening outside the boundary of their farm, that it could potentially affect their farm and their ability to farm their land. And they're saying they want to be indemnified by it. Um, but you also have, as I say, this, this lack of clarity at the moment as regards what exactly does it mean for farmed peatlands? How much of the state land, you know, that kind of pure bog land, I'll call it, uh, will, will, how far that will go in reaching the Irish targets? And then this really, really short timeline where they're talking about the EU wants to have this in place, the law in place by 2024. The re and the rewilding is there a fairly close connection there? Um, not to the best of my knowledge, John. What it's most linked to, I think, is obviously the carbon sequestration from different types of soils. And we know that the carbon sequestration from peat soils is very high because that is supposed to be it's a carbon-rich soil uh, it was destined to be wet and now it has been drained through artificial methods over the years um, and it subsequently uh, emits a lot of carbon um, compared to a mineral soil. Um, and the other, I suppose, off, um, offshoot of it is that if that land is re-wet, um, there is a chance, I suppose, that the biodiversity will increase, you know, because it'll be a different blend of plants, flora and fauna on that type of ground than would have been if it was, um, you know, perennial ryegrass, uh, dairy paddocks or, or beef paddocks. The environmentalists of the European Union might say that the boglands are our rainforests, not to exaggerate too much, mm-hmm. but they might say that you know, this, the role of sphagnum moss, bringing back sphagnum moss as a great uh, soaker up of uh, carbon. So in that respect, uh, do you feel that there's so much debate still that if our politicians and our representatives in Brussels are you know, doing the job and watching things carefully, they may just be able to convince uh, Brussels that whatever is brought in must be brought in extremely gradually. Yeah, and I think I suppose there is a bit of pushback both at home and you know, from farmers to the Irish politicians saying you have to push back against this law. And that, you know, more importantly, I suppose the law being brought in without any uh, impact analysis, um, and certainly there's no indication yet that farmers are going to be in any way uh, compensated for the effect that will have on their farmland. Uh, they're saying that the position of Europe at the moment seems to be that the common agricultural policy funding will be used to cover rewetting. Um, so there's a lot of things need to be ironed out. There is a bit of pushback among some of the groups in Europe against the law as well. I, I mean, if I was to sum it up, I would say it seems like everything has been pushed very hard, very fast, without some critical questions being asked along the way. Thank you very much indeed. Katrina Morrissey, News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Katrina, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. You're very welcome.
Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Robert Harkin, Chairman of Munster Agricultural Society. Robert, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event taking place over two days, the 17th of June and the 18th of June, the Cork Summer Show. So you might remind our listeners about the tremendous attractions at this year's Cork Summer Show, Robert. John, the Cork Summer Show, uh, a major event um, and has been going on for many, many, many years in Cork, um, is on the 17th and the 18th of June at the Cork Showgrounds uh, in Corraheen in Cork. Um, it's a phenomenal day out, or two days out. It's a, it's a massive event, um, bringing, attracting crowds of over 50,000 uh, for, for, for the two days. And we have lots and lots of uh, things that will happen on the day uh, from oh, amusements, food demos, retail stalls, kid zones. We have a full bar. We have a dog show. We have a motor zone, you know, which has motor and vintage. Uh, we have an outdoor market. We have small animals. Um, on the Saturday, we have the, 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 the cattle showing, which is a huge event for us. Um, and we have uh, cattle that travel from all over um, a Munster and further afield to, to compete at this. Um, and we have some show jumping. We have equine events. We have health and wellness. You know, the, the, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, I won't say it's a miniature version of the ploughing championship, but it's something along the lines of it. <laughs> And, Robert, I understand there are 20 themed zones. You referred in passing just to some of them there, but in terms of a cattle and horses, the equine events, etc., in addition to general entertainment, but 20 themed zones and a lovely insight into agricultural life and of great interest to uh, not just the farming community, but uh, the urban-rural divide lets uh, people come together and mingle and better understand one another and see where all our food comes from. Very much so, John. Very much so. So we, we've tried to integrate, uh, you know, all aspects of life into the summer show from, you know, like, like even the health and wellness, you know, for, 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 from the farming community. It's, it's, it's all very important. So all of this we've tried to integrate into it. And then, you know, from a children's point of view, if you bring your children along, we have small animals. We have a phenomenal petting zoo. Um, you know, and then you have the big machinery for the dads to look at and the, and the, and and the, and the older kids, you know, we've, we've lots of things that go on like that at the show. There's a website where people can find out more about the Cork Summer Show. And there's a quite an amazing amount of information on that uh, Cork Summer Show website, which I believe is uh, com all lowercase. You might just please, uh, Robert, confirm that website number and any other yeah. sources of information. So, yeah, we, we, okay, so the Cork Summer Show, it, it's easy to remember. So the Summer Show and it's Cork Summer Show and it's CorkSummerShow.com and everything is up on that, including uh, all the different facilities that will be at the show, but more importantly, how you can get your tickets and, you know, we have lots of on-site parking, but more to the point, we have um, park and ride facilities. So you don't have to actually drive to the Cork Summer Show. You can get the, car, the, the, the uh, free park and ride from Ballincollig, from um, the Black Ash and various other locations around the city. So you don't actually necessarily have to, uh, to, to drive there. And we also have the 208 bus 
the, the Cork City bus uh, extended and it comes to us at the Cork Summer Show. So you can hop on the 208 bus in any part of the city uh, and, and it'll bring you to the door of, of the Summer Show as well. That certainly sounds very, very handy indeed. And for listeners who may have missed the start of our conversation, speaking to Mr. Robert Harkin, Chairman or Chairperson, if you wish, of the Munster Agricultural Society, talking about our show on the 17th and 18th of June. You might please confirm those dates and indeed the opening hours, when the show opens and uh, when it closes, etc., so the show, so yes, again, confirming the Saturday, the Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, the 17th and 18th of June. So our show, we have long days of the show. We're open to the public from nine o'clock in the morning um, and we're, we, we remain open until 6.30, 7 o'clock, that sort of time in the evening, you know. So we have a long day and we, we find that a lot of families come early in the morning and, you know, they're still there at four o'clock and five o'clock. So we, we have a nice flow of people all day, every day. Um, and there's lots to, uh, to, to entertain you for, for all of the day. Um, even during, I, I, my understanding, the um, one of the, the, the Cork are playing in, in a hurling match on the Sunday in, in the championship and we have a jumbo outdoor TV screen so you won't even miss the match if you come to our show. Please confirm for our listeners again to reinforce the idea of accessibility and the park and ride, that extremely useful park and ride concept. You might refer to you know, outlying districts like Ballancolig and how you can get right in to the Cork Summer Show, Curraheen Road, Bishopstown. So absolutely. So again, it's 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 on the Corraheen Road, but it's which is just off of the the motorway, the Cork McCroom motorway. So it's 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 very accessible by car, and we have free parking. We have over thirty acres of parking, all right next to the showgrounds. No major distance to walk or anything like that. But we are promoting the free car, the, the free park and ride from various areas in in in, in, in the city to include um, the Black Ash, to include Ballincolleg, to include Bishopstown um, and, and various other areas around the city that you can, you know, that you can um, arrive by on, on the park and ride. We also have the 208 bus in the city coming all the way out to us. They've extended their route uh, for the show for the two days to give us, uh, to, to, to come to the summer show. So you can hop on the 208 bus from anywhere in the city as well. Quite a lot of the attractions are undercover, so if there are a few minutes of a, a downpour... We have probably probably three acres or four acres undercover um, with all the various trade stands, the, you know, so certainly the cattle and the sheep and so on will be outdoors uh, for us. But it, like the petting stalls and the, the floral art and the poultry and all of these different zones that are within the area um, um, will be all undercover. So you have you have plenty of opportunity to pop in out of the rain if we have rain. But look, it's the 17th and 18th of June. It's the, the nearly, nearly the longest days of the year. We should hopefully uh, have some fine weather for us. Now, for a great day out for families, for people listening, for families listening, are there special deals for you know four or five people in a car, etc.? Any special deals which would yes, make so it the, feasible? The, so 
there's a full range of pricing for tickets. So children under three go free. There's a discount for under 12s. Um, there's, you know, and there's family tickets available as well. And there's two-day tickets because we often see families coming for two days because there's so much to see that they don't get to see it all on the one day. And we have a, we have a, we have a, a two-day ticket for, for it as well. You know, there's lots of, you, you can come there in the morning, you can have lunch. We have hundreds of picnic tables laid out all over the various places. And we, we have a very nice uh, music zone uh, where we have some various different bands on during the different parts of the day. And it's near the food zone. And we see people sitting out, having their lunch, listening to the music and that type of thing going on. Now, as regards judging, is there any judging of horses, sheep or cattle? Yes. So I very much so. It's, a, it's part of it. So while it's all entertaining, there's a, a competitive edge to the people that have to our our our, our, our um, our entrance into the, in particular, the cattle is is uh, is uh, they're uh, very competitive amongst each other. But we have so we have judging of the cattle um, probably taking place around midday during the day uh, on Saturday, and then on the show jumping on the Sunday we have mounted games, which is a competition. Um, we have uh, various other showing of horses, and then we have some um, international show jumping as well uh, on the day on on the Sunday as well. That sounds wonderful. Now, as regards the opening of the show, the official opening of the show, and uh, the you know visits by various people, do you think perhaps uh, the Minister for Agriculture or some MAP or some prominent people? I might would think drop we in? will have absolutely. Last year, we were we were very lucky. Michal Martin uh, spent quite some time there. It was very uh, praiseworthy of of the show and, and, and enjoyed his day out there uh, in his busy schedule. And uh, this year, we're hoping for similar. So yes, absolutely. We, we, it's, it's, it's such a big event with the amount of people that uh, come to the show, over 50,000 people coming to the show over the two days. You know, it, it's a big attraction. And, of course, it's a very practical showcase. It's a showcase of, number one, what Cork produces, what Munster produces, and what Ireland produces in terms of where our food comes from and the 13, 14, 15 billion euro of agri-food exports. You see uh, some of the people who are working to keep those big figures up, the exports and our national economy. Most definitely, it's a showcase for that, and in particular in our food zones, where we, 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 you know, you can see it firsthand on the day at the show. The website connected to Cork Summer Show. So you might uh, please uh, point out to our listeners any other sources of information, and of course, the best source of information, of course, will be the show itself on the 17th of June or the 18th of June to go along and see for yourself. But certainly for people wanting to, you know, find out more about the show, you could please uh, give us that website one more time? I, I would, of course. So the, the website is the corksummershow.com, www.corksummershow.com, and everything is on that. But I, I'm just going to tell you a quick story. that So we meet lots of people at the show uh, over the days, and we've been doing this for uh, several years. And we meet people at the show who it's, it's, their parents would have gone to the old show back in the day and they hadn't been to a show for many years and they're now here with their children and they're here with their parents and you know and they, they, they cannot believe the amount of entertainment that has, goes on and the amount of things to see 
over the two days that you know you have to actually go to the show to actually believe what 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 you're seeing and the website will give you a fair idea of what's going to go on but there's something there for everybody from cookery demonstrations to dog shows you know it's such a variety of entertainment on the day on the two days and as a result of the covid pandemic I feel there's still a thirst amongst people. I mean, farming itself can be a very isolating experience. Uh, Farmers, they work in isolation a lot. But in general terms, I think the fact we've had the pandemic, that's safely, touch wood, out of the way. And for people to go along to a show to see a revival of that type of uh, social intermingling, I think there's a thirst amongst people to go to something like the Cork Summer Show on 17th and 18th of June. It's a it's a huge day out for for and it's a real friendly day out. Everybody seems to be enjoying themselves. Good weather or bad weather, it's 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 a real social occasion and all friends meet and I, I see it myself I meet people at the show that I might have seen since last year's show and you know you talk about what happened for the year and this is our second year after COVID we don't want to talk about COVID anymore but it's, it's our second year after the, after COVID last year was a huge show and we feel we've seen a lot of people now out and about now again feeling safe to do so um, and mingle amongst crowds and you know and, and have a day out that it's full of entertainment and it's it's great value it is really good value from from for 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 the small money that we charge to come to the show it is good value that the amount of entertainment that we provide and when people come along they'll find there's a adequate catering there's plenty of catering for people get to get good wholesome food Huge, very much so. We, we, we've over 300 trade stands at the show, which is a big, you know, it's, a, it's quite a big number of, 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 of trade stands. And we have a food village, you know, you can have anything from breakfast to a full four-course meal if you wanted, you know, so and takeaway food and there's ice creams and there's everything for the children. You know, there's others so you can, it's, 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 there's a full variety of, of food and of course we've not that we need to mention it, we have a full bar as well that if somebody wishes to have a drink for on the day we have we have that facility as well and the match on a giant tv screen and a, and a match on a giant tv screen uh, it's fantastic i think cork are playing waterford on the day it's a big deal so again you can bring your family to the show and you can watch the match and, and you can continue at the show after the match after cork win it sounds a bit tedious, but at big events like this, we always like to remind people that they should be very careful if it's family members or people should be careful to bear in mind safety. And uh, when you're dealing with uh, animals or livestock or big events, that people should bear you know, safety in mind. And for your part, the Cork Summer Show organisers, you've taken care of all of the safety aspects and you'll be pointing people towards the, the safest way to have a wonderful day or two days if you're booking in for both days. So most definitely, we we have we uh, health and safety is a priority to us and and has always been priority to us. So you know when we have animals, there's no loose animals anywhere. They're all within pens or corrals or within you know that that nobody can actually. Whilst you can go and see them and you get up close and personal with them, you know you will not. There will be no. There won't be any danger from any loose animals. That's that's we're we're you know it, it is a very well. It's a specific designed area for animals, and our showgrounds have been specifically designed for that purposes. 
Well, certainly that sounds wonderful. Thank you very much indeed for all of your valuable time, Mr. Robert Harkin, Chairman or Chairperson of the Munster Agricultural Society. And you please, as a last um, parting shot for people who uh, would like to jot it in their diary, make a diary note of those two days, and you could please remind us of the two important days they should jot in their diary for the Cork Summer Show. Thank you, John. So the Cork Summer Show, corksummershow.com, our dates are 17th and 18th of June uh, from early morning, 9 o'clock to half six. And it's really, we look forward to seeing you there. It is a really fantastic uh, family day out from all generations. So we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Robert Harkin, Chairman, Chairperson of Munster Agricultural Society. Thank you, Robert, very much. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, 96FM and C103 News Editor, Mairead Tuig, News Reporter, 96FM and C103, and also creator of the Farm Talk podcast on a regular basis. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. The Farm Programme, 7am to 8am on Saturday mornings and 10pm to 11pm on Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.